Hi, and welcome to the 118th edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is a specialty episode where we're answering the questions that you guys asked on Twitter and on Tumblr. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa. So let's just dive right in. Uh, we We got a question that seems like a good starting spot from just following the blacklist over on tumblr uh they said only started listening to your broadcast this season weren't always on the same wavelength as before but i do love your discussions i'm interested in knowing how you two got together to do the podcast do you live in different cities others may be interested in your background as partners in this endeavor too this is a funny oh, the story. The story of, of this. First, I mean, we are not in the same city. Uh, Jen used to be in Texas, and now it's in California, and I am in New York. So, so we we're not even in the same hour. hour. Uh, so sometimes it's very late for me. Sometimes it's very early for Jen. We try to be accommodating. Yep. Um, so best I remember, season right before season four launched it was the summer between season three and season four tessa and i started chatting on tumblr and we'd gotten to be friends and she said hey would you be interested in doing a podcast where you covered character development and i covered theories i said i don't have time for that that seems like a lot of work i'm super busy i don't have time And by the end of the day, I'd done a bunch of research, reached out to a friend of mine that used to do a podcast and was like, here's all the info. When do you want to start? (laughs) (laughs) I knew it when she said, no, not really. Um, I knew that she would she would just come. We were just a little, you know, we both like the Keens. And so we kind of did a little bit of brainstorming about the name and came out with Keen Minds. Yeah. And um, she's not on. I don't know how active she is in the Blacklist fandom anymore, but Veracruz, uh, I believe, is how you say her screen name. Um, she's a fantastic artist that used to be very active in the Blacklist fandom. Huge Ryan Eggold fan. Uh, I still follow her over on Instagram. Phenomenal artist, and she was kind enough to offer her services to do our icon that we use. And so provided a whole collection of icons. It's awesome. Yeah, I know. I still love it so much. <laughs> So yeah, that's our story. Two yeah, fans. We just, of we just do it over over um, Skype, and we just get together, and that's how we do it. And then Jen does the editing part. Uh, thank God for that. Lord knows what it would come out if I did it. Um, and that's it. Um, that's our story of the podcast. And we started. We had never done a podcast before. Um, we had, we were just, I mean, the, the real reason I went into Tumblr is because of, of, of Jen's posts. They were so inspiring and she actually taught me to do analysis of character analysis and, and motivation analysis. And I was so inspired by that, that I said, okay, I need to go to to Tumblr because I need a platform that allow all this uh, media that I can that I can use, and she was the inspiration. So that's how I ended up in Tumblr. Oh, thanks. 
I miss those. I, I had so much fun. This was, Tessa and I were actually just talking before we started recording about how busy my day job has gotten lately. It's I work in tech, and it's just been nonstop. And, but I remember the days when I could, you know, balance writing throughout the day when work got slow. And, you know, I used to write these long metas about all the questions in the blacklist and, you know, people would hate on Tom. And I'd go, hey, in defense of Tom Keen, here is this long thought out, you know, <laughs> three to 10,000 word meta, you know, and that was, oh. I have no idea how I had enough time to do that. I look back on it and go, yeah. where did all that time go? Life got complicated. But the point is, we don't always agree. We certainly don't agree on theories. Uh, we tend to agree on character development. But um, we here we are so many years later and still doing this. And pulling each other from the deep holes of desperation where we had gotten into them, which is um, really uh, intriguing. As personally, we can be, we couldn't be more different, which is also part of the reason I think why this works well, because we bring such different um, elements into it, our different life experiences, different ages, different, a lot of different things. I think that is what makes it the, you know, a, a, a good thing for people to listen to. I have a lot of fun with it. So yeah. I've, I, I've gotten to be very good friends with Tessa through this. Yeah. So I've actually been out to New York and visited her twice. So yeah, I'm real. She's real. <laughs> I have had right. dinner with this woman. I promise she's real. <laughs> All right. Um, you want to read the next one? Sure. Um, so the next two that I have, because there was one that was an Anon on Tumblr, and then one uh, with Joanna Chu from Twitter. She and I have been going back and forth uh, through several things, and I think it may, she may have been the one that sent the Anon on Tumblr as well, because mm -hmm. it's, it's almost identical. It says, uh, read Tessa's recent post on Reddit about blacklisters using people as weapons. Berlin, Kirk, Tom, Katarina, Liz are all kind of used as human weapons against Red throughout the series. Do you think that there may be an invisible third party that are pulling the strings behind the scenes? So what do you think? Um... I have, I'm kind of of two minds about this. Yes, I do think there is a third party that is looming out there. I personally think it's the Bond division of the Cabal. So I don't know how invisible that is, but more forgotten. Mentioned once and then left alone, as the Blacklist does. And while I do agree that these people have been used as human weapons... I am not sure I think that necessarily one person has used all of them as human weapons. I think it's just more a case more of a case of deep feelings open up manipulation. And so you have Berlin who lost his family. He's easily more easily manipulated into going after Red. Same with Kirk. Um, Tom was kind of a different situation. I don't think, I mean, he worked for St. Regis and was hired by Red. He was never working for an additional third party. 
Uh, Katarina, if we're talking about Blonde Cat, I don't really think she was employed by an outside source to do this. There's always that possibility, but I didn't get that impression. It felt very... Personal. Well, I, I think it's personal for all of these characters, but I don't think there was an outside source necessarily encouraging this. I think it was a set of events that dragged her into it. Mm. And and so, yes and no. I do think that the Cabal is using certain people against him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have manipulated some of the events to use certain people as well. I, I think that the, the, the posting question was... Uh, is is part of a series on analyzing the themes of a blacklist, it kind of because the the stories that the blacklist tells are very limited. They just seem to have a number of little sub stories, and then an episode is kind of like a mix of the bag of, you know, uh, using people, father protecting children and women being abused. And then with that, we like to create an episode. And that's how it feels to me that there is, of course, there is only a number of stories being told in all the universe. But in the blacklist, it seems particularly concentrated. So if you think about Berlin, Berlin was basically used as a weapon. He was told that it was Red who killed his daughter and maybe at that point he would have just gone out and killed red but somebody else that couldn't have been fitch because fitch was protecting red by that time actually sent him bones for years or body parts for years a ear or a piece of a hand it just it made him into this machine for killing not just Red, but his family. It was just, it was done with an intent that was far more, I don't know if the intent was using him as a weapon, but that was the effect. It became a weapon, a one that even Fitch couldn't control. He said, I pull back everybody else, but I just couldn't pull this guy off. I suspect because Fitch doesn't have any idea about the bones sent to him over years. And that created a torture for this guy. I have a feeling that Neville Townsend, we're going to get more or less the same idea. Kate was another one who used Tom as a weapon. I don't think it was Katharina. It was Tom, Kate using Tom as a weapon. I mean, think about what Kate did. She dig the bones, and instead of shouting about it, she just tells Red. And then instead of, if she really wanted to get them to, to Liz, I don't think Tom was the most direct way to do so. She could have just told Liz they were here, this is a key, go get them yourself, or have Denison deliver them to his her home when, and Red wouldn't have known about it if she hadn't opened her mouth when, apparently when she should, because it was apparently part of the plan. So it, what she created is a coalition it's a collision between Red and Tom. I think she intended to get both of them killed. So in a way, he used one against the other by telling Red he had he had the bones and, uh, and having Tom knowing full well that Tom will think, oh, I don't 
think if I'm going to give this to Liz, this might be dangerous. I might want to know what they are before I give this to her. Having all the facts before he delivered them to Liz. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Now, in that case, yes. Um, I, the impression I got, and I may be under an incorrect impression here, but from the question, I thought, is there a single third party that is pulling all the strings? That's mm-hmm. where I don't think that a single third party is pulling all of those strings. Berlin, absolutely. I could totally see it being someone in the cabal, in Bonn, manipulating that because you're absolutely right that 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 was a meticulous setup in which they delivered these bones they made him believe his daughter was dead and they whoever did this seemed fully on intent in the same way that that kate seemed fully intent to have the explosion between tom and red Mm. which isn't exactly a jump I mean, that Tom and Red would go, you know, end up in an explosion together. The two didn't like each other very well. No. And um, so I I do think that in general, people have been used as weapons because emotions are heightened. And it's easy, especially because we have so much. We have so many interpersonal connections in this show that are so deep and so Mm -hmm. layered I think that makes it ripe for using loved ones as weapons. Well, Milton, Milton Bobbitt was the episode, the, the, yes. the episode of like, if you, you, or Lady Luck, if you use one against the other, then, you know, they, they basically do your work for you. Um, but one thing, I, I do not think that anybody was using Kate as a weapon. I think Kate was very efficient at using that. But one thing that must be said about an entity being in the back of all this, kind of biding their time, is that Tom was supposed to call Denison. But before the bones were identified, Denison was beaten up. Which means that the person who beat Denison up found about the bones by the same ways that Tom found him because he got a call. So who's this person? Who's this person who was told by Kate or instructed by Kate to be told once Tom picked up the bones? I think this person is the same person who ultimately used Berlin who used what the little revenge thing that Fitch had and amp the situation to a point where Berlin was now intent on killing Red and killing his family. Is this continuing? I would not be surprised because somebody was behind Tom's being kidnapped. And you, we know that that story is going to collide at the end. We are seeing all this things converging very slowly and I have a feeling that whoever that person is is going to be an enemy within which is another subject of the show it's another theme explore often the enemy within the person that is really acting against you and you don't know who they are appears to be a friend or you don't know who they are they got away inside and you don't know so that's the answer I think Um, Do you want to read the next question? Yep. 
about N13? Uh, so far, this N13 network consists of Sikorsky, the archivist, Rakitin, the hacker, Red, who receives info and possibly exposed bring down people organization with him with a task for help or on his own. Four, possible inside man, woman in the government. ID potential targets as well. So what's the question? Oh, I, uh, potential targets as well. What do you think? I'm not certain of the question. Well, is it possible that there is also somebody who ID the targets inside the government more? Ah. Uh, I think it depends on... Is the blacklist mostly from... I mean, because th this theory has been thrown out that the blacklist is mostly from this Sikorsky archive. The Sikorsky hands over the thumb drive to Red. Red's got the info and he goes, hey, Task Force, we've got a new blacklister. Unless we have, you know, the one-offs that something huge happens, you know, like Luther Braxton. Luther mm -hmm. Braxton kidnapped Liz and suddenly, well, no, that one was that he went after Luther Braxton directly. Kate. Let's use Kate for an example. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a much better one. Someone that had a bullseye on red and that inserted herself into the blacklist, not necessarily someone that would have been handed to red to go after. So they're talking about in 13. We don't know if it's one person or many. Uh it almost has to be many, but they're referring to, to them. They're referring to them as one person in the U.S. government. That may just be the person that they think is in the U.S. government, that a single N13 operative. The Congress, the congressman may feel that that's what it is, but we don't know what it is exactly. because, according to what everybody thinks, they're all they're embedded into all their governments, which will be a little hard. I mean, we all have 24 hours. But I think that if that's the case, if the blacklist is, for the most part, coming from that archive, then yes, absolutely, there have to be people embedded in various places to be able to find that. I, I'm not sure that they would just be embedded in the United States government either. No, because, I think uh, that they would have to be all. They'd have to be in other governments. They would have to be in yeah. different organizations, criminal and otherwise, around yeah. the world. Because it doesn't matter how good Raymond Reddington is. I know he has the omniscient he thing be going. Doing anything, everything. Exactly. He can't have his hands in every pie, every criminal pie in the world. It's impossible for him to have as much knowledge as he has for this. So it makes sense that this organization has a bunch of Raymond Reddingtons, essentially, that have... And a bunch of Rakitins and a yeah. bunch of... of uh, I, I think that... But Rakitin is not really a hacker. He is actually embedded within the government as an analyst. He's one of the analysts that was clear to know the identities of this, of this hacker. So technically, he's not hacking anything. He's just getting the information well, that it, he has clearance. It depends on your definition of hacking. Because, I mean, I, I've spoken to people, you know, to verify different things in my personal writing before. And I was told one time that while on TV and in movies and, you know, the spycraft world, 
in Hollywood, we see someone walk in with, you know, a dongle and, you know, insert it and get all the information that way. Well, that's typically not how it works. The, Somebody in the inside. Exactly. That espionage works with someone coming into the inside like that. Not necessarily someone, quote unquote, hacking in. Meaning getting, or at least giving them the access to so that somebody yeah. else from the outside can go in. Um, but, but, but yeah, yeah I mean, he's obviously that, taking information that he shouldn't it, in, the, the in answer, that sense. The answer to that for me would be yes. I absolutely think that if Red is getting his blacklist from the Sikorsky archive, that there is someone or more likely multiple someones involved that are getting insider information. Well, I nominate... Um, Panabaker. I could see it with Panabaker. She seemed very angry last time. If it's... I, I really like your theory about N13 and the Sikorsky archives going against the Cabal, being formed up to unravel the Cabal. And if that's the case, I could see Panabaker being involved. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that, that definitely Sikorsky or whoever that friend from the East is, because we haven't heard anybody calling him Sikorsky. The archive is called Sikorsky Archive, but we don't know who the guy is. Uh, the friend from the E seems to be the archivist, the one, by definition, who collects the information, organizes it, and disperses it. Rakitin certainly is one of the people inserted in one of the governments, but we also have a mole, somebody very high up, who's giving this targets, who's giving direction, and who can affect change. It's all of the blacklist coming from them? I'm not sure. I think some of it is. But for example, the last, let's take the last information that we know came from that archive. Is the identity of 13 covert agents, CIA covert agents, somewhere. Correct? So that cannot be part of what Red will use that to go after any of them. But he could use that information to go against somebody trying to get to them. Yeah, or if one absolutely. of them had been turned, then you, you could go after them. But well, other than that... I don't think it necessarily means that, you know, if a name is given, that may just be a starting point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, we have information on this person. We know someone near this person has what you need. Yeah. And, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think so. That, that makes sense with everything that we've been we've been seeing that that um, that uh, Red is doing, because we despite what they say, Red is not really getting information from the FBI. He is giving them information. He's generally telling them, you know, look for this person or look for that person. He may not have the resources to do so, but he generally is the one giving the information. I just I love that line from the pilot with wrestler. You're you're after us for our information or for our intelligence. Red, I have no interest in your intelligence. I'm quite happy with my own. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, I love that kind of snark between them. I kind of miss it. Honestly, the pilot, the blacklist pilot, remains one of my very favorite pilot scripts to read. It's, I have read it so many times. It's fantastic. Sorry. It's fantastic. I, I just love the you know not just the lines but the the cinematography of it it's just i mean the images are so powerful when when we start with red 
kneeling on top of the of the seal of the FBI. Then we end with red under the seal of the FBI, flanked by two guys who obviously are not pointing the guns at them. He, they're protecting him. Just phenomenal. All right, next question. Uh, do you did you notice Katerina read a little red riding hood to Agnes another name for the fairy tale is the fool's grandmother clues for us I think so I was gonna say you're not gonna get an argument from either of us and so oh and by the way the last couple have been from Anons on Tumblr yeah as well, well. The, the, the funny thing about this is that do you remember the the music that was playing when this episode was I'm running this night tonight. I'm running with the wolves. Mm -hmm. I'm running with the wolves tonight. I mean, you couldn't get more on the nose than this. <laughs> it's, I mean, Tessa and I have thought for quite a while. I, I was, let's see, when did, when did she first appear? The beginning or the, the last Seven, episode of season six? Six twenty-two. Yes. Yeah. And so when she first appeared, my statement was. He called her Katerina until I know more. I'm going to assume this is Katerina. And then first episode into season six, I went, nope, <laughs> that's not Katerina. See, I that's, yeah, that's a difference between a character analysis and a theorist. As soon as I saw that thing and I saw the way they kiss, I'm like, that's not Katerina. Uh, we just didn't know enough about the woman to be, for me to be able to say I don't think she was, but you were right. I, I am fully against the idea that that is the Kater that, that that's the same Katarina as Lottie's Katarina. Yeah, definitely another woman. Two totally different women. Yeah, but yes, I mean, and that was so on the nose. The fact that yeah. there it is, reading a story about this wolf who, you know, tries to uh, look like the grandmother. It, it's just perfect. It's just perfect. And Rep told her she was a fake one. So I don't know how people are still thinking that she might be the real one. I mean, just the things that she doesn't know basically tells us. And and Dom was like, oh, my Katerina. And then that woman. Oh, yeah. my Katerina. I did everything because I love my Katerina. I forgive my Katerina. And then I hate this woman. I, you know, and this is just my opinion. I can't obviously cannot speak for anybody but myself but i my assumption is a lot of people that are still holding on to the this is lottie's cat theory are doing so because they're tired of the back and forth and i understand that like i i can get i can wrap my head around that this you know i'm just tired of trying to figure that out i don't care anymore a, a lot of people are getting a a lot of uh burn tours is he her father or not? I don't care. Is that the mother or not? I don't care. It's yeah. um, it's exhausting. Yeah. And I think it takes a, a particularly um, stubborn kind of person to keep on that, uh, which I am. I'm very stubborn. Once I get a bone, I'm not letting that one go. All right. The next one from Anon on Tumblr. Do you think the combination of warrior gene, memory manipulation, Violent and impulsive nature, losing Tom and Katarina, obsession for biological family and the truth, capital T, uh, caused Liz to bomb the hospital, hire the freelancer to crash two planes, and abduct Chemical Mary. If her agenda is just to kill Red, surely there are simpler ways. Maybe she has a bigger agenda. 
Hmm. Yeah, this is a good one. It is. Good question. Uh, good question, um, whoever anonymous friend you are. Um, yes, absolutely. And by the way, truth must be with a capital T, especially for, for Liz, because this truth is one that she could learn if she went back to her um, to the provider where she sent the, the DNA test and she learned that question if she as she says she that's the truth she wanted to know who is read to her that's what he she told Dom all I wanted to know is if he's not my father why me so that was easy to know and if if she really wanted to know if Katerina was her mother there was plenty of coffee cups around she could yeah I don't me. think she ever stopped to ask that question which I'm still shaking my head at like, how many false trails do you have to follow before you start asking the question? I, I, my particular take on that, which is an important thing, is that list wants validation, not truth. I think that it just kind of depends on the moment, to be totally honest. Um, so right now, she doesn't think that Red is her father. And so if that's the case, if she truly believes, and because she got the what she believes is a correct DNA sample, um, she had the one from Cooper that a trusted source gave her that said, yes, Raymond Reddington is your father. And then she received a DNA test from the bones that at least Liz believes came from Tom, who was another trusted source to her. So she's. Her assumption is the bones belong to Raymond Reddington. Raymond Reddington is my father. Ergo, the man that we've been calling Red is not my father. Believing that, then her question still stands, and a DNA test can't answer it. Who am I to him, and why me? And so that's that's a question that can't be answered by a DNA test. She thought it could be answered by Blonde Cat, which... I disagree with, but I also have a different point of view than she does. And she's getting a little bit desperate here. But she's not going to get that from a DNA test. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at this point, even if she were to run another DNA test on Red, it's been so back and forth, I don't know how you trust it. Well, if she collects a sample herself, that's the only way. And yeah. he doesn't know, so he cannot interfere. But the but question she, is... She believes right now that both of those DNA tests came from trusted sources. People she deeply trusts. And so she thinks that's truth with a capital T. That her father is Raymond Reddington, but the bones do not belong to Red. But, that is I her mean, truth right now. It, it, the, the question was, if her agenda is just to kill Red, it would be simpler ways. Yes, they would be. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I don't think it is just to kill Red. There is, a, there is an answer that she needs. And right now, I'm not sure what it is. Because, um, and obviously she doesn't trust Neville Townsend, which is the reason why she never went to meet him directly. And she, still act, and she was acting through a serenoid. And I'm sure that now she's, you know, keeping herself safe. I hope so. Um, no, there's going to be another thing. And you got to be probably exposing what Red is doing. Because she's now thinking that Red is a evil person with bad ideas. And I don't know how she got there when in season six she was saying um, that 
you know, you love her, whatever, whoever you are, you know, you're, you're like a, like a, a father to me. Love wins. I, yeah, exactly. I, I do think that it doesn't matter how we put this. We have to go to two memory manipulations or memory or manipulations of some sort. One that has to have been done by Kate and the second that probably was done by Skovic with, with Blancaterina. Because she started sounding just like blonde Katerina. Like, I don't want men controlling me and why are men doing these things. It just like it was a little too much. And before it was Kate, like, you're the only source of all my problems and I have to get away from you. She was just parroting what Kate was saying or what blonde Katerina was saying. And when she had Tom to kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, let's regroup and remember who we are and and what we're doing, she was okay. But I think that once Tom was dead, she was rudderless. Yeah, I agree. I think that Tom anchored her and that helped. Um, they've called it in the writer's room an emotional touchstone. Uh, that's what they were talking about with the washer. And that, that being able to see that and think back to Tom was an emotional touchstone that, that seemed to have helped steady her a bit. And I... I agree with Tessa that in as much as she I I really like the theory. It's to me as things stand right now with the information that we have. I think that the one or two memory manipulations is probably the best path that I can personally see to make it so that Liz won't end up in prison for the rest of her life or on run for, you know, on the run for the rest of her life what have you um because i i don't see her killing red and if she crosses that that rubicon as he called it i i don't think that's gonna sit well with the audience i don't think that's something that any of us have stuck around for eight nearly nine seasons to watch happen i mean i'm sure there's one or two people out there that are like yes do it um, I, I have seen a couple of people in that uh, in that camp, but for the most part, I, I don't think it would set well with the general audience to have your leading lady straight up murder <laughs> your leading guy. Especially when um, we don't have the answers to it, oh, <laughs> absolutely. the reasons why. You certainly don't do it then. And so with gaping questions. Mm. And so I I do think there's a bigger agenda. I'm just not sure that it's necessarily Liz's agenda. I, I do think that she has an agenda, which is to stop Red and then kill him. Uh, and in that case, that might get a B. But, but however, um, Bomba Hospital and almost take down two planes full of people. I don't really think that there is a... A, a bigger agenda that justify that unless I really want to one day uh, have to want to spend my the rest of my life in a pilot room. Yeah. Um, I mean, I that's... mean at, at this point, somebody was even saying, what about if he just ends up the other way? We always think it's Red who's going to sacrifice himself for Liz. What about if it's Liz who sacrifices her life for, for Agnes? Uh, because, I mean, as, as much as Red has been a ruthless criminal 
he's always protected the innocent. We don't know if that's always been the case, but Brett said it is, that he never killed anybody who didn't deserve it. We can, you know, walk around a couple of those kills and find that they were a little on the iffy side, but none of them are being a plane full of people. That's true. As far as we know, he has not attempted to take down two planefuls. Two, exactly. not just one, two. Two, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. and so, and even if you say, I mean, because Red's pulled some pretty close calls off before, but even if you say, oh, Liz knew everything was going to happen, in the same way that she didn't have eyes when the bomb was planted, there's only so much preparation you can have when you don't have eyes on something. And that was the same case in the plane. I... That's what I say that I that when I say that the bigger agenda may not be hers, like her agenda, I could see, you know, calling Red out for being in 13, trying to take him out, trying to take him down. But this grandiose taking out planes, bombing a hospital, that feels like blonde cat from the grave trying to make this massive splash and destroy everything. I'm going to get red no matter who, who many exactly. people I take down with me. I mean, think about what you used to say about Kate during season four, how you thought that her agenda was to send either kill or send everybody to prison. One or the other that she was going to take everybody out because they were all part of this. Yeah. Oh, bad and, and all everybody who contributes and or to uh, to to keeping red in this is is has to go. Yeah, even the innocent, so, even the task force, list people, even Liz herself. With, it was with, she was doing it for Agnes. Yeah, with the blonde, with blonde cat, I could see you have ruined my life. So a normal death is not good enough for you. Blonde cat knew he was sick, and that's been my question. Like, if Liz is in control of her own faculties, why? Like, she knows the man's dying. He literally coughed and sprayed blood all over the side of his own car like that's not a man long for this world why not just take a step back and go i've got your money good luck buddy you know i'm gonna go hang out on my island with my kid um but instead she's bombing a hospital that like that just does not make logical sense for a woman who's very bombing the car was not very good i mean what was the problem with going to the lake, sitting on top of him, saying, oh, wait a minute, I forgot my cell phone in the car. Come back and put a bullet in the back of his head. I mean, exactly. it's not that difficult. Uh, so definitely there is something going on there that is just not what we're seeing. There is a lot that we're not seeing. Yeah, I agree. So that, right. that would be my bigger agenda theory there. Uh, next one by another anonymous. Uh, wondering if the underlying themes of the blacklist are nature versus nurture, destiny versus choices, and history repeating itself versus redemption. Good question. It is. I would add, um, for me, nature versus nurture and destiny versus choices, definitely those two. Um, I would almost say history repeating itself versus breaking the cycle. Um, and then redemption versus Is it the same as destiny versus choices and nature versus nurture? Um, is it another way, way? I think it's I think it's kind of in the same line. But my thought process for because you see this in reality in shows, you see it everywhere. You see it in families. You see it in television families. You see it. You you see it everywhere in which you have generations 
of the same mistakes being made. And mm-hmm. so you have, just for Liz, you have Katarina, this, you know, great spy that she's the daughter of. She abandoned her child. She faked her death. Well, Liz has already broken part of that cycle by choosing to go back. Yeah. yeah, she did. Um, by choosing, but she has broken part of the cycle. It's going to depend on if she can break the whole cycle. The big one that I would add to these, because I think these are all excellent, would be identity. Identity is a massive theme of the blacklist. Who are you? And we started with Tom, and I don't. I'm not sure we even realized when we started with Liz. Because she wore the mask so well in season one. We only got glimmers. But mm-hmm. as time went on, we saw more and more of that the, the mask that she was wearing in her perfect marriage or perfect guy with the perfect job was starting to crack and break into the woman that she is. Into this that we're seeing now. Yeah, um, and so I think that, and Ryan Eggold had a fantastic interview back in season four, maybe, three, four, it was years ago, uh, about, oh no, it must have been season two, because he was talking about, either two or three, because he was talking about why Tom was remaining Tom, versus encouraging people to call him Jacob. And what Ryan was talking, he said one of the major themes of the blacklist is identity. And Tom Keen didn't really have an attachment. He wore so many masks over the years that he didn't necessarily have an attachment to Jacob Phelps. Basically, that's just kind of who he was in between the jobs. But for the first time with Liz, he felt like he was home. So Tom, the name Tom meant more to him and that it was about identity. Mm-hmm. That as Tom, he found himself. And, and, and also, Jacob Phelps was not even him. He knew that. He knew that there was a name that people who found him, he thought he had been abandoned. So, you know, Jacob Phelps was at John Smith. It didn't mean anything to him. Names didn't mean anything. But we've got that with Red. We know that Liz was born under a different name. We know that, um, let's see, you've got Red, you've got Tom, you've got Liz. Is Katarina wore a bunch of different names, you know, took it off and put them on like coach. So did Blonde Cat. And Blonde Cat did And as I well. suspect Dom. Probably so. India. Samar. So I think that 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 uh, that is fairly well established that that who we, and who you are, identity is a is one of the most fascinating because it, it, it also connects with this nature versus nurture because it's a shapeshifter. The shapeshifter is one of the best concepts in the show. The fact that what you see may not be what the person is. Those who are, and that was one of the, of the ads of Tom Keenan, if you remember them. But those ads were meant to be integrated with the story. And sometimes the good guys are the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys. And, you know, that started fairly early as a, the, in the second episode when we have Floriana Campo, who appeared to be a good person. She was even doing good things in her cover organization. She was rescuing some of the people that she was in prison to begin with. So and then we get 
Dr. Gray who calls Red on being an imposter. You're that telling him people see you as an iconic bad man, but you're an imposter. So Red is a is Red a good man doing bad things and pretending to be a bad man? And at what point do you lose who you are and become the mask? We also had that in Redemption with Scotty and Howard uh, when they were battling over Whitehall and Whitehall's inventions. Who were, you know, which one of them got to choose and who had the responsibility to keep it from the world or let it loose in the world and, you know, what made them good or bad? Because you had both of these people that had a little bit of both. And it it did a fantastic job of asking that question. I will always be bitter we didn't get more with redemption. I think I think it's it's uh it's and there is an also a, another theme that I would that I would say which is protecting or avenging the families. Not just, you know, and that's a spouse as much as it is also the children. It's, it's essentially the children. It's about the children, but it's also the spouse and the person that you choose to love. So families, the family we choose, which is nature versus nurture, um, less obsession with the with the biological family that Dom apparently also has, because apparently, you know, Blonde Cat was expendable. Well, we don't know what his connection to her was. No. We'd have no idea. I, it, Tom, Tom, uh, Red said that she had no name, which makes me suspect that it was a bit like Tom. Because think about it. Before DNA came into into the world, what would have been, how would Tom would have known who he was? He wouldn't. He was a child that had been stolen, dumped into the system. Nobody knew who he was. Without a way to identify his parents, he would have just been lost. He would have been a person with no name, a man with no name, just like like Blonde Cat was described. So I have a feeling that uh, either Dom found her in an orphanage uh, and she was just handy because she looked like her daughter, or it's in, also entirely possible that they're neither one of their daughters or both. And he just happened, like in Lord Baltimore, to like one better than the other. It's super twisted, but I'm not sure that it isn't the case either. Oh, yeah. Dom. So fascinating question. I think that um, Anonymous Friend, you do get, you know, a lot of them. I, you know, we added those those two or three, but definitely these are very, very important themes. All right. Uh, the next one is also from Anonymous. Uh, in my opinion, Liz is a very conflicted person. She seems to long for peace and stability, but she's attracted to danger and thrill. She always says she wants a normal, boring life. But can you imagine her really being content in a nine-to-five job? I mean, she was stealing things when she was young. She she chose Tom over Nick. She chose to be an FBI agent. And love and hate relationship with Red. She could have told him off so many times, yet she didn't really. Look at her when she's on the run. On mission, she's enjoying it. Totally agree. Liz would never have survived in a normal nine-to-five job. Yeah, we've talked about this many times. Like, um, and even she told she chose Tom over Nick, but even Nick wasn't that up or upright of a guy. What 
doctor decides like, oh, do you want a criminal? So if you want me to treat you, you gotta give, you gotta pay my student that. Uh, exactly. I mean, can you imagine that entire this entire country deciding to do the same? Oh no, you know what? I'm gonna sell my my skills to criminals so that I can pay my student loan that yeah and, and of course Tom was a step up above that but even Nick didn't seem to be that good about you know a person um yeah definitely and Liz liked the thrill and yeah um I, I think there's no question that even though Liz tried to for a while tried to hide behind a mask of what she thought the world wanted to see from her. And we, we saw it with the doll type makeup, the wig. They were very careful. Uh, Megan had a pixie cut when they first started filming and they were very careful to put this wig on her and people still joke about it, mm. you know, to, to soften her features in the same way Tom wore glasses to soften his features, the makeup and the hair really softened. It's like hers. a doll. Exactly. She was very much like a the doll. conventional, she, uh, like the skirt with the palms. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, uh, uh, um, you know, almost like 1950s uh, idea. Well, it's Maybe an not quite like that, but I mean, it was definitely not... Liz is very edgy. Oh, badass. Yeah, she is. She's a badass. She's edgy. She's, she's the woman that when a guy's coming at her, she'll straight up headbutt him. I mean... <laughs> And after after she found out about Tom, it was in season two when um, when Ezra was was watching her. I think it was right after. No, it was in the first episode back from season two. She had been skipping around from hotel to hotel. She was had Tom on a boat. She was under a great deal of stress. And then she turned around and she chopped all of her hair off and it was this moment almost an awakening from her of this is who I am and I need to stop fighting it because she'd been working overtime to be this perfect little doll and that's I believe that's where it was a very nice way of showing that that was the moment where she started being herself yeah it's interesting to me that there's so many, so much of the people who, who uh, watch the show, the fans are still thinking that you know this is all Red's fault. He corrupted her, or Tom's fault. I, I mean, to me, it was very obvious from the very beginning that she was wearing a mask just like the rest of them. I mean, even wrestler was wearing a very nice fitted mask that with hair that didn't move. His <laughs> Kendall hair. I yeah. love his Kendall hair. It, it's just like they—they're few. I mean, even even uh, Cooper was like, "I'm, you know, I'm I'm perfect." And meanwhile, yeah, I beat up a guy to get a confession. Yeah, the guy was was guilty. Um, and then I was, you know, I just lied in interviews about what a what a disagreements I had with somebody. So none of them seem to be um, that good or that clean. And Samar was for a long time keeping two alliances at the same time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think some of them are deeper in the gray than others. But Liz, Liz has definitely moved into the dark, dark gray now. And I think, and 
Tess and I have talked about this multiple times before, that, that Tom was an anchor for her. And it was a balancing act between the two of them. He started dark gray. She started kind of, you know, mid to light gray, I think. And they met in the middle and kind of kept each other balanced there, where they were able to be themselves and mm-hmm. yet not move into that darkness fully, into dangerous, seriously dangerous territory. Yeah, it. Uh, but definitely, this is not the nine to five boring job. Um, and but I think that in her mind, that's what she told herself she wanted. Yes, I think because it relates to a brief period in her life where she had a mom and her and a dad, and and that's what she's been wanting too. I don't think it is that. It's her having a walk in the park with her husband. I think he's going back to a time when she had a walk in the park with her parents. Well, it's like what she said in the uh, what what Red said in the pilot. He says, "Do you really think a baby is going to fix this?" And Liz made the comment to to Cooper in the pilot. She said, "You know, I think having a child of my own is going to reset my childhood." And so, and Tom did this a lot as well, where he tried to replace bad things with good. And so Liz held him on a boat after shooting him and torturing him. And so what did he want to do? He wanted to go buy a boat. He was kidnapped from a a beach house as a child. So what did he want to do? Take his wife and daughter to a beach and run away. It's, I think they both had similar ways of coping (laughs) being that they they never did cope uh neither liz nor tom worked through their childhood trauma and so as adults they were desperately trying to find that little sliver of what they remembered as family of happiness of peace in this chaos that they called life but you know with their parents there was little chance and uh (laughs) don't hold any hope for for agnes you know what? Just make sure Agnes is not the a picket fence we'll comes okay. with the uh, with the, the machine guns and the and the goons protecting them. Exactly, and that's okay. It's, yeah. it's okay. It's what you got. The truth of a lot of things, but it can be changed. All right. Our next one is also an anonymous question. Hi, it's me again. Harold and Red conversation just reminded me all of them had changed since season one. I would like to hear both your thoughts on Red, Liz, wrestler Harold, Aram, and Demba's journey from season one until one until now. How do you think they have changed? How long do we have? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're already fifty-six minutes into this recording. <laughs> all right, they are all completely different people. Yeah, I don't think this is something we can just sort of gloss over. They've all had very different journeys. And yet, I think we've also burrowed down in a way through the masks that they wear, coming off of the conversation we just had. Mm. I think that every person, maybe not masks necessarily, but sort of an ideal that they yeah, had persona. a mask is fine well in some cases mask is very good but i'm looking at people like dimbe and aram i don't think they were necessarily wearing masks but they had this ideal aram had you know he was an nsa agent 
came over to the FBI. He, he was, was a, a good hacker guy. Included yeah, by the but, but he was very much on the legal side. He was a sweetheart. He he had certainly never killed anybody and didn't feel morally capable of pulling that trigger until he decided to go all in and launch a well, you know a rocket launcher. But you know, hey. But in Dembe, the same way that he had very much that moral focus, like he was willing to do a lot of terrible things, but he had this moral focus. And I think that he, through his struggle, and we've seen, as we've gotten to know him better, where, we've where seen Where have that. you seen that he starts to break down? I think he is currently struggling with the same thing that we saw uh, from Ayasamba's uh, episode from season oh, seven. Oh, where did it start? What did you mm-hmm. see in the first crack in that? <laughs> oh wow. Um, probably Kate. He started to straight up question Red. I remember there was that that scene with Red and the um, the uh, tra- I know he wasn't a trafficker. He was a uh, diamond. Uh, he, he owned a, a diamond, uh, used child labor for it. And oh, yes. he uh, him into the foie gras. And he, he used Kate to make his, basically as the butt of his story, to, mm-hmm. to find a way in. And as they were leaving, Dembe said, she deserves better than that, than you using her like that. And I think that was the first time, I may be wrong, but I think that was the first time that we saw him straight up go, you were 100% wrong in what you just did. That was horrible. And I think since then, you know, it may actually go back to season three because we had that that scene in the woods where Red was super drunk and he said, Raymond, that's enough. That may be the the first time. Yeah, that's the one. That's the, the point to me. I mean, we saw the, 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 the little fractures in Dembe when he started, like, you should have told her about Tom. You have to tell her everything, and you tell her about Tom by telling her everything. And in season three, this again happens, like, you have to tell her. But then when he's drunk, that's like... Yeah, there, there's a definite... Enough. There's a definite difference with Dembe in you should do this. I am your con, you know, I am being your conscience right now. I'm trying to urge you towards the right decision and his straight up. No, stop. Like this ends now. Mm. And I I think that 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 spot in in the them is the point when Red is is drunk all the time. He spends the entire episode being drunk. So wasted. And. Uh, Dembe is like enough enough with this thing and the singing and the crazy stuff um, now Aram is, is a very interesting uh, um, path he's in and I think that of, of probably of all the characters in the in the in the post office I am most interested in where they're taking Aram which is interesting because it wasn't a character that came on board afterwards but for some reason they just you know, I think it's a combination of a mirror and, and excellent writing and a, and a character that came at right, the right, just the right time. But he was, remember he was in, in uh, we had Aram's note from the psychotherapy because he killed a bad guy who had people at gunpoint. 
and mm-hmm. he had to go into psychotherapy. This is because he was a human being. And then, you know, from there we go into into him like being, you know, standing up to to the director. And then when he's like, I've had it, and he kills the architect. Um, and then he well, he also has the bit in season four, I believe, where Gaia Coop gives him the order. Yeah, in Gaia, he gives him the order to take the helicopter down. He's I can't. Exactly, I forgot about that one. And then he hits the button, and Samar despises him for it. But it was, I mean, that's a whole different Aram that at the end of this, Aram has been damaged. He's now one of them. He's a monster now, and he now can fully hunt monsters. You cannot hunt what you're not. Um, so I think that in a way, by confronting by red and and cooper has said it many times like we, none of us is the person we were before the question is are they are they really changed into something they were not or have they evolved into what they were really and that goes to the previous question which was nature versus nurture can someone make you something you're not and identity yep exactly or are you just going to be who you really are and was that what happened to red forced into a circumstance in which he had to become a criminal to because the world believed he was a criminal is that what he became and are all of them becoming exactly who they were and what does it tell about about wrestler i mean wrestler is probably the most fascinating example of this yeah um I, I still feel like his brother's episode probably was slotted for season three. It would have made a whole lot more sense back in season three, I think. But with Megan's pregnancy, there was a lot of stuff that was reshuffled. And so I I think it was fascinating they gave us that. I think it helped me make a lot more sense out of some of his harder... Well, that too, but his hard lines that he draws, that he, and I've spoken about this some, that he almost sounds like he's reading from a script. Like, this is how a cop should sound. This is how a cop should believe. And because I'm a cop and I want to be a good cop, I need to take this and dial it up to 100. And so some of the moments you look at him and go, really, Russ? Did you have to put it that way? I think that that's where it's coming from, that he has this ideal in his head because he's basing it off of his father, who he really didn't know very well. And so I I think that his ideal version is unattainable and, and it frustrates him greatly and which goes into what you call the rubber banding. Mm. And definitely, ha- and and Cooper wasn't exactly the most um, the most uh, transparent of of people. He was just, I mean, Cooper had had become a better man because he had he had tried, and you know we see that when he gives the the his medal to and put it on the tombstone of of Hutton of Daniel Hutton. 
but uh, Harold was always going there and he was always, you know, he's the most adept at being a politician. He's the more um, adept at navigating these waters. And probably the most interesting one on the other end is Red, because Red has become a lot lighter by being with them. Yeah, um, he has, I mean, he started, something interesting that I've noticed lately is, that, I mean, he started with this, I will only speak with Elizabeth Keene. And to the point that he was mocking wrestler, he was had very little patience for Cooper. It's, but we've seen this affection grow over the last seasons for this team. And instead of the mocking way he referred to Donald, it's now an affectionate. I mean, he still gets his mocking in here and there, but I mean, I think that he's really Wouldn't come to rare. care about them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we'd be worried about him if he didn't. But I think another thing we've seen with Red is that omniscient vibe that he's got going, the mask that he wore, that he can, he knows what's going on, he has all of the cards, you know. And that, you know, all the dominoes set up, that he is in control of all. That has been piece by piece peeled back. And we've seen, and I, I don't think every fan has seen it yet, but I think in general the audience has seen that this is a human being that does make mistakes and is not always in the right. No matter yeah. how much... Not only does he like everybody else to think that he has, but I think that in a way he has convinced himself that he has to be. He has to push for that bravado to be able to convince the criminal world he is this. Yeah. And we saw a great scene of that of the bravado that happened um, on the same episode that we see him telling um, Peter that, you know, this is all going to play like this. I'm going to take you down and then the same people that you work with are going to ask me to get rid of you. Um, and, and that's going to happen. So, and you, we see Tom telling in, you know, in a physical way more than a, than an intellectual way, what Red is doing. We so we see the same thing when Tom is in the, in the Russian fight club and he just told him, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take down this guy because he's the biggest threat, and then he's going to try to shoot me, but he's going to shoot instead the other guy, and meanwhile, then I'll go move to the other, and that's exactly what happened. So it's important when you're, in that, when you're a criminal that you give an impression that you're a man of your word in the bad way. Like, whatever you tell people, you threaten people, you're going to go through with it. Absolutely, and I think it's also a matter of reading people. And But both Red and Tom are exceptional at reading the situation. Yeah. So, I, and definitely Liz, we just talked about that. I mean, she, yeah. that was a mask. They're, they're all, I think, coming into who they wear, uh, who they really are inside. I don't think Red is the hiding criminal that he has been, that he had to become. And he's going back to being more in the in the light. Uh, Liz, it's going into the into the outer darkness 
I think that she might come back out of there a little, but she's never going to be what people thought she was. And and the, 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 to be very fair, it was there. I mean, I, I noticed in the first episode. Um, so I think that that's, that's where they're going. They're all going towards who they really are. So it's nature versus nurture. Yeah. And identity. You can't hide who you are. You can modify it. You can direct it a little. But essentially, you are who you are. Yeah. And so uh, the next one is also from an Anon. It says, do you notice a theme of episodes after Liz left? Episode 5 opens with stealing a USB from the safe deposit box. Katarina stealing. I guess she probably meant Liz stealing. Um, no, 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 I'm Katarina sorry. Stealing Ka- Katarina 13 stealing po- 13 pockets of intel. Pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, a rom uh, going undercover as a mole, or there's a mole. Uh, an elaborate plan using Freelancer when Chemical Mary is the target. Diversion tactics. Married man seducing a Russian spy to sell highly classified information, which will endanger the country. Carla slash Reddington slash Katarina. Doppelganger episode. Um, at the time that this was sent in was next. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Reddington becoming Raymond Reddington? Are you seeing a pattern? Yeah, definitely. This this is what we've been talking about, how the 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 stories of the blacklist, the stories told by the blacklisters in the episodes are really telling us the story of the mythology. And it's just that's why there is a limited number of stories that we just mix and match to create different different episodes. But in reality, you're dealing with the same subject. So every time that you go for one of this, you are exactly doing that. You're you're taking one of them. So any episode that you pick up, any of them are going to have elements from the stories of the mythology. I mean, you get Milton Bobbitt, which has been a mystery so far. Why did Red wanted to see that list? Well, we don't know that yet, but we know that using somebody to as a weapon against somebody else is something used in the, on the show. We have uh, the Cyranoid, which is basically using a doppelganger to do your dirty job. It's something that we have seen with, with Blonde Katerina and Katerina. One of them was a doppelganger of the other. Yeah, I mean, I I think that sometimes the episodes are very on the nose. Uh, we talked about this with a couple of different episodes, and specifically the uh, the one that this person mentions with the Russian spies selling highly classified information, and how that was clearly looking at Red in Katarina, and you're just going, okay, you know. <laughs> I guess you could have hit me over the head with a mallet and it might have been a little, you know, clear. Subtler? <laughs> yeah. Yes, but the funny thing with that episode, you know, and that's where the blacklist is, it's brilliant instead of being repetitive, is that, yes, you could say that you this is what you're doing, you're taking one element of the story and you're spinning it out into something else, is that in that episode where you have the Marian, the married man seduced by the Russian spy, the redhead was a wife. Yeah. So when you get those little twists, it's like, wait a minute, 
Was that a really a coincidence that you chose the wife this time to be the redhead? And I think that a lot of those little subtle things become very evident in rewatches. They become very evident. There are certain things that you'll see in episodes and then they'll cycle back around. And you're like, oh, wow, that dates back all the way to season one. And you start seeing these threads coming together and tying up together. It's we've talked about the the John Bokenkamp is basically writing one very, very long feature right now. Mm. The way that he's pacing this. And so, yeah, I, I do think that we're I, I agree with you. We're, yeah. we're just telling the same but, story over and over. It's, sometimes it's more evident than other yeah. times. though. And I think they're becoming more overt as as they approach the ending, which we're now closer than at the beginning. But, for example, I don't think that the that uh, Spader Red is Raymond Reddington is the doppelganger episode that you're seeing. The one the the doppelgangers i think we're we're the, every time that they put a flashlight and a spotlight and some searchlights into something what you got to do is look in the opposite direction uh the doppelgangers are obviously katerina and blanca so that's where the doppelganger is going even though they're making us believe so it's a house of mirrors so whenever something is being highlighted that much you're probably not seeing exactly what it is so yes it's a general direction but don't think that that uh delicious cupcake you're seeing in front of you is really in front of you it's probably behind you it's <laughs> a good way to put it uh, i go back to that beautifully shot scene from the episode i think it was in season six with the uh the, i think it was an ambassador's son Walking in Paris, oh. where you think he's, you know, after this woman, because, I mean, he's in a hoodie, he looks like a delinquent youth, all of this, and it turns out he's the one being kidnapped. Yeah. And so it was such a beautifully shot scene that's playing on our, you know, our, our general preconceptions of life and society, and it uses that to flip it on its head, and the blacklist is great at that. And so they, they dangle something over here to the right and go, look at this, look at the, look at the dad, look at the dad, while really the mom is what's about to, you know, come flying out of left field. Yep, it's exactly what it is. Whenever you think you're, you're emphasizing something, go somewhere else and look. And finally, the last one is, um, Anon, do you feel the dynamic of the, of the blacklist has evolved? Season one to season four is based on back and forth and relationship between Red and Liz, but mostly evident after Tom's death, Bone, prison arc, Katerina. It's clear to me Liz values the truth, answers, and revenge above all else. While Red is determined to keep his identity and 30 years mission a secret, their relationship has evolved, therefore affecting future storylines for example, they cannot work together as if nothing have happened. Sorry to pile them with questions. This is Joanna. Okay. Do you feel the dynamic has evolved that season one to four was just red and Liz back and forth? And now after that is being like, oh, now it's all about Katerina. I don't think it was quite that sudden. I think we saw pieces of Liz, like someone referred to it as, as whiplash with Liz. And we've heard that referred to in that way before. 
But if you go back and you look at Liz from season one on, there were so many points where she was so frustrated with Red, she was just done. You murdered my father. How can I forgive that? Or my mother is alive and you hid that from me. I told you that was the thing that I could not forgive. And she walks away over and over again. And then sometimes... She'd even go as far as to fake her death in season three to be able to try to escape Red. It's not like season five suddenly happened and when she woke up from her coma, she went, I hate Raymond Reddington. Or it like just been... truth and in, 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 uh, in, uh, in revenge. Exactly. I, I think it's been building. It's been it's been building towards this for a very long time. And she's a very forgiving person. But Liz needs two things. She needs honesty and she needs recompense. And we saw that with, with Tom, that she sat there and she she dealt out her justice. She shot the man and then kept him on a boat for four months. Focus his thumb. Yeah, it's in the grand scheme of things. It's kind of minor. But yes, absolutely. She she held him captive. She tortured him. That was a small him. scheme of thing for, for you. For Tom, I bet he wasn't a Fair enough. small. Yeah. Fair enough. But it wasn't, she did that, and then it wasn't until he came back and said, okay, this is who Raymond Reddington is. I'm choosing to be honest with you. They started repairing their relationship. Red hasn't done either of those things. He hasn't get he hasn't been honest with her and there's been no way that she's received any sort of justice for it because they keep circling back around to these questions. And she keeps trying to forgive him, but she needs both of those things as a character to be able to move forward. Until she has them, she will never be able to move forward. Yeah, but I I also think that there is another another way of looking at this, which is, was it really all about the dynamic? The season one to four were really all about the dynamic between Liz and Red any more than four to eight. I don't think so. I think the dynamic between Liz and Red has always been there, but the elephant in the room has always been a mother that is mentioned in season in episode one. And never again until she finds the photo in the apartment almost two seasons later. And, and while it may seem that that was out of left field and Katarina was supposed to always be dead, and then at season five they realize, oopsies, we got another more seasons, let's just make you know a storyline. I think that Katerina was always there from the beginning. The blacklist is very precise in the way they they do. You get something mentioned and then abandoned, and you think, oh, that's done. No, it's not. I mean, look at Jennifer. Jennifer, we learned Jennifer's name in season two. We heard her mention not at all in season one, but eventually she came in season five. So I think that the the themes of of this mother had always been there and there is a reason why Liz why they decided to use Megan being pregnant to put the pregnancy uh, storyline there instead of moving it somewhere else and because it was always supposed to be there 
she was supposed to have a child that was not in a good time and there were going to be bad things happening to this kid because of who this kid is. So, no, I don't think it has been, it has changed. It's just, she had, the story of Liz with Red to me had to, is about acceptance as well. She has to accept who he is, who he is to her, and who he is just as who he is. And and that's a story of 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 love, of family love that is just you have to love somebody because they're your father, your adoptive father, your whatever you want to think that Red is to Liz, but also personally for who they are. Do you love them for who they are or do you just love them for who they are to you? Is it conditional love or unconditional love? Exactly. And and I think that's a story at the end. And in a way, it's a story about us with Liz. Do we love Liz for who Liz is? Or do we love her in relationship to whatever character we feel <laughs> that we identify more? Is it wrestler? Is it red? Is it Tom? That's when when Liz becomes a mirror. Like where if she's being nice to Red, then we like Liz, but if she's not being nice to, to Tom, then we hate Liz. Or now she's just being basically trying to kill everybody or don't care who she gets. So now everybody hates her. Mass murder all around. Pass it around. (laughs) Why are you going to stop halfway? If you're going to go for it, go for it. That seems to be Liz's motto in life right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Do you think that Liz is going towards now is revenge and answers? I think she's always being about revenge and answers. I, yeah, I mean, I think that she, yeah, that's what I'm saying, that she has always needed that. I think that because she, I think there are a lot of different pieces of this, but one of the things is that she thought that Red was her dad, or, and so I think he got some sort of a pass. I think she kept trying to find a different way with him. Whether it was because she thought he was her father, whether it's because the task force needed him, because it was her job. It's, I think there were a lot of different pieces that she kept trying to slide into place to make herself okay with the questions and the lack of justice in her own eyes to it. But the longer it went on and the more stubborn Red got with it, I think it just became overwhelming. And then, as you said, she lost Tom, who was her, who helped balance her. Mm-hmm. And it became, he seemed to have so much entertainment out of the, you know, the... The, the chase. Yeah. And for her, it was, my husband just was just murdered. I didn't get to say goodbye to him. I didn't get to mourn him. This is this is my life. Stop t- talking about the job. This is my life. We're going back to that, Liz. Yeah. This is her entire existence. And she did not feel yeah. like Red held it in any sort of esteem. Yeah, th- it's basically the same thing that we saw in, in the van when Red was basically drunk the entire time, except 
this was a whole season in which Red was basically enjoying the chase as if I think a little confused the things that he used to do with Katerina now is doing with Liz like a chase and I think it just it was just fun and I think that that Red uh, forgot a bit about what it was and he didn't like Tom so for him it was like oh well two birds one stone okay you know it's I I've never thought that Red necessarily reveled in Tom's death if for nothing else than it it gutted Liz but it wasn't like oh my god I'm I'm distraught here but it wasn't like when Liz when he thought Liz was dead (laughs) there was no collapsing outside the car and selling off all of his possessions and going into a you know drug-induced stupor for however many days Definitely not. So I think that that um, all of these questions and all this dynamic that people feel that, oh, it changed because the series expanded, I think it's the same thing. I think that everything, Red's mission of 30 years, um, the questions that he cannot answer to Liz, because if he does, then does he trust Liz? And obviously, Liz has proven to be from the very beginning that she stopped him untrustworthy. So within like seconds of their being there, Tom sent somebody to stop Tom and she stopped him back. So that wasn't really like the, you know, let's do family therapy here uh, kind of situation. This was the, you know, we were just already dealing with a family, as Red told him, they're eccentric. They're violent, and w- w- I mean we've seen that. And in and I know that you hate the idea, but when you see the way that Scotty Hargrave is, you gotta think. I think that they're related too, because oh Tom, my love, my boy, that I love you so much, you lied to me. Hey, um, Matthias. Do you mind just getting in there and giving me a good whooping, preferably with those balls that you have in there, and so that you know, and then we're okay. It's like Tom, I guess, is like, oh boy, here goes another time. This I, one was the boat for four months, and I now think that it one, just shows that Tom loves, you know, that Tom Tom has dangerous women in his life, his wife, his mother, you know, just, he can't catch a break. They still share the name, the same middle name. But I know it upsets you, so we'll just leave it there. I'm just gotta this say, it's not my jam. I'm sorry. I know, I know. But it's not know, Game of Thrones. All over the world, it, it's not the big a deal. It's just a very. I mean, you tend to think that your world is just bad, but all over the world is not like that. I do yeah. think they're cousins. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, that's it. I think that, 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 that all this is the same thing. The dynamic is, 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 is and the mission, they're all connected. Yep. Red has to get home, and in order to get home, he has to complete this mission. This is Ulysses' story. To get back home, he has to complete works, and he has to get back home. But it's difficult because he gets getting lost, and then there is a cyclop, and then there is the the the, the woman who enchants him, and that's basically the Iliad and the Odyssey. I was gonna say, do you mean Odysseus? Yes. Okay. 
Ulysses, no, Ulysses, same. It's yeah. the Greek call him one and the... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I read the Odyssey and the Iliad, so... Yep. It was Odysseus. Yep. Okay, sorry. Just making sure we're thinking about the same person. <laughs> yeah, the same, the same, the same. Um, it's been a long day. So that's, I think it's the same. I mean, there... It's been a long week. <laughs> yeah. And it's Friday. Usually we record this on Saturday when we are a lot fresher. This is Friday today. So interesting questions, right. guys. Just keep bringing them on. When we have a little chance, we'll just pile a bunch of them and do a special episode of answering questions. Yep. Now, if we could just All get right, Red guys. to answer a few, that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, I know when, uh, when Liz... When Liz uh, sent him off to, to death row and he stepped out of the van in chains, I did a, uh, a parallel gift set. said, if you cross Liz, you end up in chains uh, between Tom season two with the, the shackles and Red getting out of the van with the shackles. It's, you don't cross Elizabeth Keene. No, it, it, it's also very interesting to me that... Um, Liz was not the one who came up with the idea of sending him to prison. It was Jennifer. Then yeah, again. I still think we, I hope we circle back around to that. Cause I think there was something going on there. Oh, that I woman was not what she seemed. Totally certain of it. I mean, it's what I always say to people. Remember that she knew where Liz lived. She didn't need that charade with Ross and beating up, although she probably had a lot of fun having Ross beat up Liz a little bit. Uh, probably, you know, hey, you were with Daddy, where uh, Daddy abandoned me. You're going to see what, what's what. Um, funny enough, she ended up with a, with a black eye as well. Uh, so it didn't come out so good. Um, but, you know, revenge is usually you dig to graves, as Red said. Um, so I think then that um, that Miss Reddington did quite a bit of things to get uh, Red in jail and get Liz involved and destroy that relationship. And, you know, she didn't need to do all that thing. She could have just gone to her house. So why that charade? Whenever you see a charade and, and you realize it's there because when it's all fast and emotions are involved and you are, you know, you or you see a report that tells you, oh, my God, my father is dead. And and then I get a couple of blows to the head on top of being on a coma for eight, 10 months. I'm not likely to really think about it uh, because if she thought you would have said and since we couldn't determine that Gregory the Bride was not read in 311. Hmm. How come that now we could? This doesn't smell right. So, I yes, I think that uh, Jennifer Reddington had a brilliant disguise. She looked like a mess, so nobody would take her seriously. Okay, you didn't take her seriously. I warned you. I warned you Fiona was badass. Well, it's it was it, when you said, you know, she's a great actress. And I went back and I look at some things of her and I said, absolutely. So there was something in there. There was always something in there that I said, this is not right. It just doesn't feel right. There was always something weird about her. Like, why is she doing these things? But once you stop and think, wait a minute, glass of wine, bag of things. 
without telling Red about anything, just go over and say, listen, look what I found. Nope. That tells you when they don't do things like that is because there's a reason. Yep. She clearly had something to hide. All right, guys, you can uh, you can chat with us. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Reddit. And you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And I think uh, the show's back on next Friday. Yes, it is. It should be a very fun episode. So looking forward to it. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.